And so for us, it's really like, well, you know, questioning ourselves. Why is it that we're the third largest Asian migrant group, but yet the Melbourne food scene, which can be argued as the culinary capital of Australia, doesn't even actually have a food scene, Filipino food scene that represents that. And rather than actually waiting for other people to solve that for us, we really wanted to sort of bring the community along to try to solve it together. This week on Dirty Linen, we are continuing to talk to wonderful women in and around the occasion of International Women's Day. It's just been, it's a big conversation and such a timely one. There's no bad time to shine the spotlight on women, but it does feel particularly pressing and urgent right now. Today, I am super happy to have on the show Grace Ginto. She is a powerhouse, one of the founders of the Entree Penais, a collective that shines a light on Filipino cuisine and culture. Grace, I'm so happy to have you on Dirty Linen today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Danny. It is my honour, and most especially being amongst some great company of women that you've spotlighted through the 100-plus podcast episodes that you had for Dirty Linen. So it truly is a pleasure and an honour to be here representing um, the team. So, Grace, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and bring us up to the founding of the Entrepreneurs and, and tell us what made you want to do that. Yeah, sure. So, um, as Danny had mentioned, I'm Grace Ginter, one of the co-founders of the Entrepreneurs. I um, have founded this organisation, a collective of six um, food-loving, entrepreneurial Filipinas who are working together to bring Filipino cuisine, culture and communities um, to the hearts, minds and taste buds of Australians on Wurundjeri country. And so together with my co-founder, Fidesz, uh, Fidesz Santos Aguiles, we decided to actually sort of tackle a problem statement that um, despite Australia being home to um, Filipino, you know, migrants of Filipino heritage, the fifth largest group of Australians born overseas, we didn't actually have a Melbourne food scene that was quite representative of that. And we really wanted to change that as entrepreneurs and really bring the Filipino story out to the Australian diaspora. And we're working with our allies and other folks to actually bring that to life through some creative events. Um, me and Fidesz got together um, during the time I was on my third third stretch of maternity leave. So I just um, had my child, my third child, my daughter. And as you do during maternity leave, you actually reflect on what it's like um, you know, to now have, you know, to now bear sort of like three children and wonder what what impact have I made into the world that will make it better for them. And most especially having a daughter, um, it made me reflect back on my own relationship with my late mother and realising that um, with my mother's passing, the things that I was craving most was the dishes that she used to cook for me, as well as the storytelling that she would bring to life through her cooking. And with my mother no longer being present in the kitchen, it felt like it was my responsibility to bring that experience back with my daughter. But it would do it in a way that really amplified it beyond just our home, beyond our kitchen, and do it in a way that really brought the rest of the community along for that um, storytelling and conversation. And hence, um, during that leave, got together with Fidesz over a glass of wine um, and just really talked about both our passions and and how we can sort of bring together our past experience in business consulting and professional services and try to actually develop projects that could actually, um, I guess, hit on that problem statement of underrepresentation of our culture, our cuisine and our communities. And what is your, your professional field, Grace? Like what were you on mat leave from? Yeah, I had been working with 
PwC since maybe 15, for 15 years. So PricewaterhouseCoopers is um, a business advisory firm, one of the big four, and um, had always worked in that space since I graduated from Monash University back in the day. Um, and so, you know, this consulting skill sets that I developed through there, um, it was one of the things that I cherish the most out of having that sort of deep experience with um, the big four. But I really wanted to use that experience in in issues and matters that I was really passionate about. And I couldn't st steer away from that calling to actually do something more for Australian Filipino community and do something more with um, the creativity that I felt was too, was bottled up in the sense of how do I sort of like combine that business advisory skill set to the culinary um, love that I have for showcasing my Filipino heritage. And why why is it all women? Did, is that just how it happened, or was that something that you that you wanted to have as as um yeah as as a core part of the collective? Um, it I, it honestly didn't really happen with that much of an intent. Um, with me and Fidesz, when we first got together, um, we hadn't known each other through any other sort of prior friendships or anything like that. But as one of many Filipinos in the Melbourne community, you're usually separated by one or two degrees of separation. And, you know, we sort of realised that we had some very common commonalities with our relationships having grown up here in the, um, the western suburbs of Melbourne. And when she started talking about all the things that she wanted to achieve by getting together and bringing our forces together, it started popping up all these different names that I had, I had encountered through my own journey and said, well, actually, I, I also know uh, Felice Sarasipuedes, I know Christina Narai, I know Sandra Tan, and I know Macy Lesiones. And these are all people that have come together to form this collective of six, um, six Filipinas. So whilst it wasn't intentional, it just naturally came to be that we were all of, um, you know, you know, uh, women coming together to really showcase and promote and um, and toot our toot our horns as it relates to what we love about our cuisine and our culture. I have to say, I love the fact that there is this word Filipina. You know, I really, I wish I had just one word that could denote me, denote something really core to who I am, but also state in that same word that you know I'm a I'm a woman. Yeah, it's it's to be Filipina, it's to be loud and proud now. I think oftentimes when you actually get put in that category or you're a Filipina, you must be meek, you must be quiet, you must be obedient and so forth. But I think what we're trying to do is really change um, the 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 definition of what it means to be Filipina and, and acknowledge the fact that we can be multifaceted and especially acknowledge the fact that as daughters, daughters of migrants, we actually have a different life experience where we want to reorientate and change the narrative about what it means to be Filipina in Australia. And I think that's what's really resonated with the folks that have followed along with our journey and have come together in all the initiatives that um, we, we've initiated during this time, whether it be in the pre-COVID or COVID normal times. It's, you know, the one thing that's really strengthened us and really just helped to support us to keep going is a body of supporters that have really come along for the journey as well. Have you had any pushback? Any people saying, "Hey, this isn't this isn't what we think Filipinas do"? I think the pushback um, has come from I think recognizing that, like, we started off as a you know food oriented events. Um, you know, there was one time where we partnered up with our good mate Chef Ross McNair, who was the head chef of Rice Paper Sisters. Um, 
at that time and we decided, okay, let's do the celebration of vegetarian or vegan or plant-focused Filipino food because often the times I think the misconception that we had with Filipino food is that it's very meat heavy and as a result there's a lot of narratives around it being very quite quite unhealthy but we wanted to use the vegan or vegetarian um, event to really showcase that the origins of our Filipino food has always been plant-based and it was only prior after the colonization by the Spaniards by the Americans that we, we were introduced to a lot of pork, a lot of meat and a lot of processed foods. So really the embracing of the vegan vegetarian way of cooking and presenting that to our um, the people that came along to support us was really um, our way of reclaiming our identity and the Filipino along with that identity as well. Wow, I love that. It's it's really powerful on so many levels. And I will just um, say to anybody who hasn't already listened to my chat with um, Ross, uh, who Grace mentioned earlier in an earlier episode of Dirty Linen, go back and seek that one out. It was a really nice chat just talking through, I guess, some of the many influences that have come to bear on Filipino cuisine. And and I guess even to say those two words, Filipino cuisine, it, it really flattens out an incredible diversity. I mean, how many thousands of islands make up the Philippines, Grace? Yeah, like there's 7,000 islands. And so as you can imagine, to actually view our cuisine to be such a homogenous type of cuisine would be wrong. And I think that's been actually the beauty of having the six women that make up our collective, the entrepreneurs to actually come from different parts of the Philippines. So um, the Philippine island groups are actually categorised as Luzon, which is the top part, the northern part. You've got your central Visayas, which is there. And then you have the southern part, which is um, Mindanao. And so me and Fidesz, we come from Luzon. Um, we've got the other th- three members. We have um, Felice as Maze- and Maisie. Um, or two members that are from Visaya. And then we actually have Sandra and um, we have Sandra and Nina who rep the Mindanaoan region. And so to actually have that diversity of our origin stories coming from those respective island groups, it really helps to also diversify our thinking within our collective so that when we do actually go out there in the community and talk about our food, we always try to put that diverse lens to that discussion and not homogenize or have, you know, a, you know, a monologue of what it means to be Filipino and the food that we bring to the table as a result. Um, so I think we keep ourselves honest and um, the community keeps us out, uh, keeps us honest as well. And I think that's, that that has really been um, our reason for going strength to strength strength over the years that we've come together as a a young organisation. How hard is it in Australia? Do you think to really find the space to explore all that diversity? I mean, it, it sort of you know it makes me think like a lot of people would you know think of filipino they'd box it into this asian space and then you know of course we you know anyone can can sort of unpick that to some degree and say well there's different types of asian cuisine that they might be you know to some degree familiar with but do you find it hard to 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 cre- create the space to have these really s- sort of subtle conversations um, yeah, it is because I think oftentimes these conversations stay within the four walls of our homes. We're told that, oh, don't go out to find Filipino outside of the, the kitchen. Your mum does it better. So why do, you, <laughs> why do you need to go search for those restaurants and various eateries or bakeries to get your Filipino 
um, craving satisfied. So I think that's really, I guess, um, I guess indicative of the change that's coming along with this um, second generation of Filipinos in Australia, that they want to seek that out outside of their own homes. And the more you seek that out and the more you sort of see spaces where you can talk about it, you can enjoy it outside of the confines of your home, the more people will actually want to explore the nuances with our cuisine, the nuances with our identity. And I think that's what's really encouraging about the new scene that we're seeing not only in Melbourne, but across the various major cities in Australia as well. So it's kind of like a combination of, of outreach from within your community or communities and a sort of sparking that curiosity in someone perhaps like myself who, who is really quite ignorant about Filipino cuisine. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, going back to my, you know, consulting hat on back when we were trying to solve business problems for major clients, our business problem or our, you know, I guess our individual, you know, thing that we wanted to tackle was, you know, if you look at the stats that the ABS have issued out, right, we've talked about the fact that, you know, Australians of Filipino heritage are the fifth largest um, Australian born overseas. But then when you look at like the Asian born, um, those Australians that are born in Asian regions, we are the third largest uh, representing um, the Australian um, diaspora. So you've got the Chinese, you have the Indian ahead of us, we're the third largest, and then followed by the Vietnamese. But you actually look at the food scene and the, um, the community spaces that represent each of those migrant groups, you'll find us very underrepresented in that space. And so for us, it's really like, well, you know, questioning ourselves, why is it that we're the third largest Asian migrant group, but yet the Melbourne food scene, which can be argued as the culinary capital of Australia, doesn't even actually have a food scene, Filipino food scene that represents that. And rather than actually waiting for other people to solve that for us, we really wanted to sort of bring the community along to try to solve it together. And I think that's really been the catalyst for many of the um, exciting community events as well as culinary events that we've been able to curate together as, uh, as a barrio. And what do you think are some of the reasons for that underrepresentation in the food scene? I think... Um, you know, it's the, I think it's a, trying to break that migrant mould that I think many of us um, in this generation that I represent, the set, you know, I think it's the first, the first gen of Filipino Australians, we're told to assimilate from the very start. You know, we came here um, seeking a, a better life and to seek a better life means to actually adopt the customs, the language, the approaches of your adopted country. And that meant to actually lose some of the language that we grew up in in, um, in our household or to lose, you know, the, um, the appreciation of the cuisine that was uniquely ours. Um, and I think now that we're getting older, um, in our 30s, our 40s, we're wanting to re-embrace that because we want to make sure it's not a die, it doesn't die with us, that it's passed along to the generations that come after us and that, you know, we can actually live out what is a Filipino term called pamana, and that is to give to leave the legacy of the such multifaceted sort of like elements of who what it means to be a Filipino, and make sure that those are passed down to the younger gen to continue to uplift and uphold and celebrate. And I think that's always been um, one of our driving forces um, as Filipinos in in Oz. You've taught me a few great Filipino expressions, Grace, and one that I really love is balik bayan. Can you talk about that? 
Yeah, so Balik Bayan, um, if you break it up, Balik um, is actually meaning to give back or to go back. And Bayan actually means your country or your uh, motherland. And so when you actually bring that together, to be a Balik Bayan is usually the term that you're actually given when you go back to the Philippines to visit your relatives. It's like, oh, the Balik Bayans are back. Look at, uh, you know, look at them. They're really successful now and so forth. I wish we could be that. Um, and one of the things that we're wanting to do is change that narrative that rather than wishing to be that, let's live out what it means to be a Balik Bayan. And that means finding opportunities um, to use our space of privilege to give back to the country people, the country men, the country women that still remain in the Philippines and may be looking for ways to actually break out of their cycle of poverty or break out of their cycle of food insecurity. And we do that through some of the initiatives that we've brought to life here in Australia. Grace, you're such a, a clear thinker and I love the way that you think about what you do and, and yeah, create the initiatives that you create. And I know that the sorts of things that you're talking about will be sparking ideas for other people, whether it's because they come from a particular cultural background and there's something they want to express or they, you know, um, have some other kind of, I don't know, uh, alternative view on the world that they really think needs to be put out there. So what I would love you to do is talk through some of your favourite uh, activities that the entrepreneurs have done and then perhaps lead off into some tips for other people that might also want to get a bit more active and start putting some new stuff out there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sounds good. So obviously during 2020, a lot of our events that we had planned, um, the first round of them that was scheduled to commence in March 2020 with Melbourne Food and Wine, were all put on hold as ma all major events had at that time at the commencement of our um, lockdowns. And so, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do was not stay idle. We actually wanted to still continue to connect through virtual events but do it in a way that was a bit more socially impactful. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the entrepreneurs is about a celebration of our cuisine, culture and communities. But, you know, what COVID really brought to life is the fact that, you know, whilst we were celebrating food, there were so many people that were actually experiencing food insecurity themselves. And I think, you know, um, Danny, you do a fantastic job of really spotlighting some of the, um, you know, many of the unfortunate circumstances that visa holders found themselves in, in the F&B world during lockdowns and one seg segment of those visa holders were international students and what we found within um, the Filipino international students was that many of them were actually similarly to the to the folks that you've spotlighted Danny were left on the sidelines without the support of the government without the additional um, you know financial means to actually go down their everyday everyday lives so we wanted to really sort of like use this time to actually bring some and highlight some of their um, situation situations and that sort of resulted in us having the Melbourne Filipino Students Hardship Appeal and that was really sort of like bringing together all of the barrio to actually um, help to raise funds that we could then issue to these students in the form of grocery vouchers and it was also pretty much a catalyst for us exposing some of the dark side of um, international student migration and that being the case that many of these students when they do get offered um, positions in quotation marks educational institutions a lot of the times 
they're not really given the prominent, um, you know, an understanding of what those educational um, institutions are. Um, you know, they have predatory sort of migration agents that go to the Philippines to say, if you if you come on come over here on this student visa, this is your pathway to getting permanent residency and hopefully citizenship in a country that will give you a better future. But as you know, Danny, that's not always reflective of the true visa path that people undertake when they come to Australia. Um, so true. It is. And that's the one thing that as we sort of explore this food insecurity issue amongst our Filipino international students, we realised that it was actually a broader, a broader social issue of actually having these migration agents um, be predatory in their practices of coming to places like the Philippines, like Nepal, like India, promising the world to these young students that want to really just break their family's poverty but doing it in a way that's actually offering them um, a visa that really doesn't give them very much rights when they do come to Australia. And that really came to the fold um, during COVID and um, realising that they were on the fringes of help and if no one else was there available to help them, then it was our role to actually help them as the Balikbayan community of Melbourne and to do it by rallying up the support, the gra- grassroots supports of the community that we found ourselves amongst. It's just so just heartbreaking. You know, I, I know how vulnerable some of the people are that you have been assisting. And, you know, the, these people also carry the burden of being the sort of beacon of hope for their families, don't they? They do, they do. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, when you actually hear, you know, Scott Morrison say, well, just go home. Just go home to your family who's there to support you anyways. You obviously, I think it's a misconception of the fact that these families are without. They pretty much brought, you know, scrounged together all of their savings to allow their child, their young adult, to actually venture off in a new country to find new hope, not realising that they don't have much, um, you know, they don't have much savings to come back to. And for them to just pick up and go, it's not as easy as that. And so whilst they were stuck here in Melbourne, you obviously wanted to make sure that they felt, um, you know, helped and supported. And that's really where a lot of these ground roots movements have come to be as a result. And, you know, Danny, like, I, I really thank you for the work that you did with the soup kitchen at Attica, because that really, really drew the inspiration of, you know, you don't need to actually have, an, you know, a, a, a a, you know, a deeply analysed plan. When you actually get so involved in the analysis, you can find yourself in that state of paralysis of this issue is too big for me to encounter or to, for me to tackle, so I won't do anything about it. But as we know, like if everyone, you know, we can't rely on the fact that it's too big of an issue. Every step that we take or every action that we make can tackle those bigger social problems but also have that individual impact to the people that are most in need. And you cannot underestimate the impact of just helping one person. Like it is so powerful and can be such a powerful turning point in that person's life. And you don't know what they're going to go on and do because, you know, they've had that example. So I, you can never underestimate the impact that you can have. And I can definitely <laughs> confirm that the Attica Soup project was started without half a clue about what we were doing. But it was just, um, it was just like, someone needs to do something like this is not okay and I mean it was really as simple as that um yeah then you just start like then you just turn the pot on and put some onions in it and just keep going (laughs) exactly and the magic that you create and manifest into the universe as a result 
you cannot underestimate just putting out little bits of goodness and sparkle. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a good thing. Um, Grace, tell us about the Everyday Coffee Project. Yeah, so so that that's an example of an another um, another initiative that got um, triggered as a result of the magic that happened with the hardship appeal. So everywhere specialty coffee is a mobile coffee van that is actually um, owned, co-owned by a husband and wife team by the name of um, Ella Jacinto as well as Patrick Motram. And they had been following along and seeing what we were doing for the hardship appeal. And um, Ella, being herself a prior international student, decided to offer up barista training to the students during lockdown when we were able to get together safely um, so that to prepare them and to give them the confidence to go back into the F&B world and apply for those cafe jobs. And as you know, in Melbourne, being the coffee capital as well of Australia, you know, most of the times those cafe jobs require you to have a reasonably good barista skill set. So, Recognising that that was going to be something that they would need to demonstrate, Ella and her husband, Patrick, decided to offer up their space, their van, their produce and their um, coffee beans to real to offer up um, these pop-up classes for free barista trading to upskill these unemployed or furloughed Filipino international students. And that was just a really great way that a simple action like that, the extension and application of your skill set to people that are in, in greater need, really has um, an ability to actually really um, drive that circularity of giving and to really, I, I guess, be a great demonstration of what it, what it means to be a Balik Bayan and to give back to others, to give back to those that came from the same motherland as you so that they can feel like they're better for it as a result and more confident enough to go back out there in the world to make and support themselves again. And have you had any um, outcomes from that project? Like did anyone end up getting a job? Yeah, we did actually. We're really um, lucky that um, one of the international students who um, was still seeking some um, certificate three, um, I guess, um, skill like experience in breakfast service, she had reached out to us to say, do you know of any folks um, that have their own sort of cafes that be willing to give me a few shifts to actually get my hours for my breakfast service? And that resulted in us reaching out to Mello Malazarte and Stacey Ehrman, who are co-owners of Migrant Coffee in West Footscray. Um, so they have created this beautiful space um, where coffee and bagels are, are served. And so whilst it's not traditionally a hot breakfast service, they decided that, yeah, we'll take on one of your students and see whether we can help her fill out those certification hours. But in the end, um, you know, Sham did so well. That's a student's name. And she's now become part of the Migrant Coffee team. And so when you go to West Footscray and Barclay Street, do sort of like drop by and just see the amazing work um, that have um, that Mallow as well as Stacey have um, done and what they've done to sort of really create and, um, you know, have an impact to the one, one of the international students that were part of um, the, you know, the, the part of the group that we're reaching out to and wanting to um, find the support needed to get out of this um, predicament. Mm, so so beautiful um grace have you got any plans you know for what's next so what's next um i think for us one of the key things is to continue to find ways to um you know ha create these spaces for us to um connect in through the culinary world and really rep help to represent the philippine cuisine in melbourne 
But also one of the other things that um, lockdown has given us the space and mental capacity to do was um, to actually develop um, Mercado, which is a new purpose-driven enterprise um, by myself and Fidesz, where we've created an online marketplace um, where each purchase that you make um, of the items there supports streams, livelihoods and community. And it's in, it's become a place where you have a you make a purchase with a purpose, and that is to really sort of amplify the reciprocal exchange of shared values and cultural understanding through the products that you b- purchase from these artisans that come from as, in the Philippines or are Filipino heritage living here in Australia. And so we're really excited to um, that will be, you know, our next foray um, into really helping to celebrate our cuisine and culture in Australia. I love it. What's an example of something that people can buy at Mercado? So right now, um, one of the things is we've got a dedicated uh, purchase for good uh, or buy for good category. Um, Right now, we actually have Louisa Brimble, who is a James Beard uh, award-winning photographer on a a Wild Cookbook Adventures or Wild Adventures Cookbook, where she's donated um, all of her surplus you know items of that book and each of those um sales made from that 100 of that will actually be donated to organizations in the philippines that are looking to um, uplift the community during this um, hard time during corona so examples of those have been mesa nemesis which is um, an organization really sort of amplifying the plant plant-forward filipino food movement um, where it's helping to um, engage women in the neighborhoods to actually understand how to how to cook more with Filipino native food so that you can stretch your daily you know allowance for food longer and make sure that you provide the nutrition back to your families as a result um, and the other organization that those funds will be don't will be donated to is um, called make a difference travel or mad travel for short and that's actually founded by uh, an individual who works with the indigenous communities of the Philippines, the Aita communities, to really um, help them to plant seeds and trees back into their lands so that many of the typhoon or climate change ma- issues that, that actually impact the Philippines can help, can help to be mitigated through these, you know, grassroots movements that when you actually plant these trees, you plant this produce, it prevents these soils from being part of the typhoons that result with the heavy rains in the Philippines. But in a way, you're giving them the, um, the opportunity to actually grow their own produce and support their livelihoods and that of their families as well. Wow, it's just mega. Like It's just really, yes, yeah, so much impact coming out of what you're doing. It's really inspiring. Um, so, Grace, imagine that I um, am a person who has this, you know, a germ of a, of a food idea and there's something that I really want to get out there. Uh, what are some tips that you can give me to uh, help me get it started? Um, I think never go at it alone. I think when you, you know, we're all so time poor, especially as working mothers, you need to really find that um, that posse that will really sort of give you the lift as well as the support and uh, as well as the skill sets needed to make this idea come into fruition. So I think always, you know, go out there and actually sort of make sure that you actually communicate and manifest this idea to others. Um, and what you'll find is that people will gravitate towards that idea as well because they, they actually share that same purpose, they share that same ideals. And you would be so surprised with so many people, with the people that are willing to actually give, 
give their their skill sets as goodwill because they themselves believe in that same idea as well. Um, so I think that's that that really sort of helps to culminate our approach in all of this, and that is that everything that we do, it's it's through the body, um, the support of the barrio, and barrio in the Galug or in the Filipino dialect means neighborhood. So when our parents first migrated over here in Australia, they never did it alone. They always sought the help of those that came here before them, whether they were related or not. What you found is that there were always people there willing to help and, you know, push you along and help you to get to the other side of whatever um, dire circumstances that they found themselves in. And that type of mindset and that type of sort of childhood has really sort of helped to drive us in our approach in tackling the big problems and that is to never do it alone do it with others that share your same vision and be willing to be challenged if they don't share that vision but don't shirk away from what your ideals are as well in doing so amazing and grace you spoke earlier of your daughter and the fact that she was a major inspiration for this new direction of yours what do you see in in her and the way that she's growing up that makes you really proud of what you've done um, I love the fact that, um, you know, one of the things that I truly has truly continued to, um, drive me forward is the memories of my mother in the kitchen and the fact that all the storytelling and the mother daughter dialogue that you had was mostly in the confines of the kitchen. And whilst my, whilst my daughter is only, um, three, almost four, um, I can already see those actions being replicated in the interactions that we have now in the kitchen with each other and I feel like whatever I've lost in the passing of my mother has been resurrected through the new experiences that I've curated and created with my own daughter and I feel like um yeah I feel so honored that you know Stella having my mum's name as her second name Cora has really sort of like um brought her back in a physical way to the space that I love to spend the most time in my home, and that is my cuisine, my kitchen. And, um, yeah, it makes me proud that she won't lose lose what it meant to have her as a grandma because in the actions that we take together, she will feel that love. She'll feel that sort of honour to pass down that heritage that we shared through the food that we now make together. Wow, it's beautiful. Um, congratulations on all that you've done. It's really inspiring. Um yeah, and just makes me just want to go and do more stuff. So <laughs> thank you so much for sharing, yeah, your skills and energy and wisdom with us today. I know it's going to be so inspiring for people, but a pleasure to have you on the show, Grace. Thank you. And thanks so much. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.